unfortunately, before we get into this weekend's episode, on behalf of the F1 podcast, we want to send our deepest condolences to Delano Vont Hoff, who was a racing driver who passed away, unfortunately, this weekend. He was racing for MP Motorsport for the 2023 season. He was racing in Spa and he passed away in a crash this weekend. So our thoughts are with his family. I know a number of the drivers did say some messages and they did a a moment of silence on Sunday's race. On behalf of the team, I just want to send our deepest condolences to to everybody involved. He was an up and coming uh, young man and um, it's unfortunate to see that um, he passed away doing the one thing that he loved the most. So uh, again, our deepest condolences to his family and his friends. And uh, we are with you throughout these challenging times. What's up, everyone? It is Richie here from the F1 podcast. Happy July 3rd. And we are filming this right after the Austrian Grand Prix. I'm here with my amazing colleagues, Andrew and Erica. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Doing well, thanks. That's awesome. And just before we kind of get into things, I just wanted to let our listeners know, happy Canada Day. And and for our listeners down in the United States, happy 4th of July tomorrow. Amazing weekend in Austria this weekend. We saw a lot happened. But before we get into it, I just want to talk about Instagram really quickly. In our last episode, we said we want to get to 500 by the end of July. We are sitting at 452. Andrew, when we recorded last week, I think we were not even 450. Now we're 452, baby. Do a barrel roll. Yeah, we keep going and going and going. And uh, we have a little friendly competition with the Dirty Side of the Track podcast. You can get the first of 500 followers. So follow us. Follow them. They're a great podcast down south. And to see, you know, let's see if we can beat them. So support both and help the F1 community out as much as we can. But follow us first because we yes, want to be to first. 500 first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a love. I love the friendly banter that we have with some of our, you know, friends slash competitors, but friends versus as well. Yeah. So, but make sure to hit that subscribe button on our, all of our social medias, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcast onto the race recap. I've volunteered myself to do the fastest lap. Uh, Andrew, I finally will be able to do it this time. I promise. Let's see if I can get through everything in uh, a minute and seven seconds. Uh, so Max Verstappen did set the fastest lap on the last lap uh, at one minute and seven seconds. I guess his team's best wishes, but you never know. Hey. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to get into it. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) But let's try this out. You know, who's got the timer uh, today? I do. So it was one minute, eight seconds, I believe you just said. 107. All right, Richie, are you ready? I'll count you down. Absolutely not, but let's do it. We do it live, folks. Ready? In three, two, one, go. Welcome to the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix, where tracked limits was the buzzword for the whole weekend. Let's start with Friday, which saw Max Verstappen and a number of drivers get track limits, and that resulted in Sergio Perez not able to make it into Q3 for the fourth time in a row of this season since uh, Monaco. Nevertheless, Max Verstappen pulled off a massive last-minute push on medium tires uh, to take pole position, with both the Ferraris looking impressive going 2-3. All eyes were on Lando Norris, where he pulled out a P5 in qualifying, but let's discuss a little bit more about Lando later. 
In the sprint, talk about a doozy of a sprint race. Wet conditions, Perez took the lead from Verstappen at the first corner and then edged the world champion onto the grass after the corner. Verstappen made a quick out of turn four and proceeded to motorway to yet another win. But, oh no, I'm not definitely not going to get this. Perez <laughs> led Ferrari's, <laughs> Ferrari's Carlos Sainz home in second place. Hulkenberg was impressed throughout the race, initially building a lead over Perez. But then a number of drivers halfway through the sprint changed to, nope. Done. You lose. You know, I got, I almost got there, but you know. Close on the counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, Richie. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> yeah, just, just very quickly, there was some fighting going on between uh, both the Red Bulls and the sprint race. And we'll talk a little bit about that. A number of drivers did end up getting track limits on race day. Let's just be real. Max Verstappen wins again. But the story is Austin Martin protested at the end, and it changed a lot of the outcome in some of these positionings. Leclerc gets back onto the podium for the uh, second time of the season. Hopefully this means good things to come, but let's get right into it. Uh, the Hills have eyes and track limits too, apparently. You know, as you mentioned, theme of the weekend was deleted lap time sessions. Delete lap times at every session this weekend with 47 lap times deleted during qualifying, seven during this race, at least 83 during the race. So for a total of 137 across the entire weekend, and there were 61 warnings during the race 11 black and white flags, eight penalties that saw a classification result of Max, che uh, Leclerc, Checo, Sainz, Norris, Alonzo, Hamilton, Russell, Gasly, Stroll. The Aston Martin sporting director decided to take a J.K. Rowling-sized novel to the FIA and the stewards for a protest, which, you know, which was upheld because apparently they had 1,200 laps that had to be reviewed due to potential track reaching of track limits at some point in that lap which I think is approximately 83% of the laps completed in that race <laughs> overall. And then, which brought on 12 additional time penalties, which we can review later because they're quite funny. But the race, the race classification changed to Max, Charles, Checo, Lando, Alonzo, Sainz, Russell, Hamilton, Stroll, Gasly. So that's saw Ferrari go down in the points, Aston Martin catch some points. And yes, quite an event at the Red Bull Ring in Spielberg. I just... That's a comical number of track limit violations, quite frankly. I don't care how you swing it. The best part of the whole thing was that we had kindergarten level snitching going on during the race where drivers were on the radio calling each other out asking for reviews because they knew it just like penalties were going to keep rolling and they needed people to review it. But the fact that you hear people on the radio being like, oh, so-and-so just went over the limit. Oh, well, like if I'm getting a penalty, this guy should get a penalty too. <laughs> I literally felt like everybody was like, uh, is it Randall from the recess? Like, Miss Finster, yeah. Miss Finster. Perez <laughs> went over the white lines. He needs to be off the podium. Leave it to Austin Martin. If they have a bad weekend, they're just going to probably run to the FIA. Someone did something wrong. Ain't that right, Andrew? Damn straight they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you have 1,200 laps that have to get reviewed, and um, I hate to say it, you know, only, you know, Alonzo and Russell, I think along with Joe, were the ones that did any of the laps. Um, I've looked at the, <laughs> I did some research on the FIA classification documents this weekend. And it was, you know, you see the same names over and over again. And it was all at the final turn nine, turn 10, which is like the downhill fast yeah. right hand sweeper. I guess in a sense, I'm curious everyone's take on it. It was, I read, when I read the, um, the the one res the one document that was provided by the FI by the stewards after the race about how the track limit so you know this was from the stewards at uh the publication of the provisional classification during the session of the race so when they 
received the protest for Aston Martin. They uh, It went through Chapter 13 FA International Sporting Code, which was an admissible protest. And they mentioned that um, an examination of the listed deleted tap lights provided by the stewards by race control revealed that a number of track limit infringements had not been previously referred to the stewards for potential penalty. It was determined that some of these infringements warranted a penalty that was not previously applied when the provisional classification was published because they had there were so many laps that they had to review that they couldn't do it all during the race. They had to do it um, post-race in that regards. And uh, I thought it was funny when they handed 12 penalties out at the end in the strong in the stewards as this is a line that says the stewards very strongly recommend that a solution be to the track limit situation at the circuit. Oh, I asked Canada's number F1 podcast, according to our mother's uh, team. <laughs> what do you think should be the solution at the circuit? Fix it. Do a barrel roll. Ridiculous. Like if you have arguably 20 of the best drivers in the world and all of them are going over the line for this track limit violation. It shows that the issue is not the cars because there's so much variety in terms of the performance of the cars. And I'm willing to bet that if you're this good of a driver to make it to F1, the likelihood of it being driver error is also pretty slim. It's just the way the track is built puts the drivers in a situation where they have to go over these lines in order to not absolutely biff it going around some of these turns. And so to me, like Richie said, fix it, widen the track, move things out a little bit so that this doesn't become an issue going forward. Part of my ignorance, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to try to say this in the nicest way possible. Like we have 20 of the best drivers on the grid, as Erica says, why is it on this track that this was such a problem compared to all the other tracks that we have on the grid? I mean, we have world champions here that proven themselves. And then all of a sudden, like the little bit of what a uh, little bit of a, a screw up and it's like, well, bam, 30 seconds. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton. For crying out loud, the guy's got seven world driving championships under his belt, and even he fell victim to what was going on this weekend. You kidding me? Well, he was crying out loud a lot over the radio, too. Well, we we did have some solid gold moments on the radio Ooh. this week. We know the car is bad. Just drive it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Erica and John. It, it's, it's the track. They have to do something because they reached a contract for them to race there until 2030. You lose. So they, I, I think widening turn nine and 10 would be the best solution. You can't put a wall there, but it, cause it would be dangerous. What do you thought would be funny if uh, at nine and 10, if people are going off, they start firing water guns at the uh, drivers. <laughs> it's not only just a water gun, but like uh, you guys weren't in uh, Montreal this year, but they had a, so when Red Bull won and we you were able to walk the track, the engineers had like a horn that they just kept blowing off all the time because they were like celebrating that they win. So it's like, if they go over this line, it, someone should be there with a horn and just blare it. I think it should be a jack in the box instead, where if you go over the line, this thing just pops up and it's like, oh, surprise, you went over the line. <laughs> you can make a drinking game out of it. Just thinking about it now. It could be like the Santa hat game. You know, when you watch and, a Christmas movie and you've got the Santa hat on the TV and anytime it looks like someone's wearing the Santa hat you drink, it could be like anytime someone has a track limit violation. <laughs> From a viewing standpoint, it made qualifying unwatchable, having 47 times deleted. You never knew where anybody stood because they had to review it. And should they should all four tires go into the, the curbing there at nine and ten? The time was deleted. And it wasn't an immediate two, right? It was about a 30 second to even a five minute delay on the decision. 
<laughs> the track time just went away. And, I, you know, imagine from a viewpoint, that must be frustrating. From a driver's standpoint, I can only imagine how frustrating that is when your times are un- are non-confirmed. So you don't know if you have to put in a banker lap or if you need, you know, when you try to like exhaust every ounce out of the car and try to maximize the app, the optimal driving line, you don't know if that's been, if you're staying in or not at that point. And like building off some of those comments, like Andrew, some of, we can talk about this maybe later in the episode, but a number of these drivers on, on the grid are, are kind of, they're in the hot seat in some of their seats. So, you know, they are trying to push it to the limit just to try to get out of, uh, out of, you know, Q1 in qualifying or, or Q2 or, or, or get into the points at least. But I, I would be frustrated as a driver too. It's, you know, trying to push it and it's like, oh, your, your lap is deleted. Your lap is deleted. The next thing you know, I'm P20. It's, it's like, okay, well, well figure it out. Like, come on. Part of what, um, I think frustrates me too, is even thinking about some of these late applied penalties that we were seeing afterward. I understand that there's a review process, but think back to a couple of races ago where there was a racing incident. Alonzo was being investigated. They applied the penalty after the race, but then he was reinstated on the podium because it had been passed a certain number of laps. Like they have a certain amount of time in order to make the call on the penalty. And if they don't, then it's, it's kind of like um, null and void at that point. Shouldn't the same thing kind of happen with track limit violations? Like you have a certain number of laps within the race to catch that and understand it because at this point it's just like super nitty gritty. And if it really comes down to that level of replay and review, I mean, it is a judgment call at a certain point, similar to how a racing incident penalty would be a judgment call in many cases. And it just seems like having so many of these like poor Ocon getting a 30 second penalty by the time they stacked everything up after the race like like you're saying just with qualifying getting your lap times deleted is one thing but I feel like it's just piling onto that when the same thing is happening after the race well it comes down to a matter of consistency that's the issue because when you're giving these penalties out during the race I think this is like an extenuating circumstances when they had 1200 laps to have to review. To me, that's the number. That's the issue. 1200 laps had to be reviewed. So there was no way in shape and form that they could, that the stewards, I think there's maybe, I don't know how many of them are, are going to be able to go through each 12, like go through each one during the racing time itself, especially when they keep piling on the errors. So I think they had to do it just for consistency purposes at that point, because when they had the of the eight penalties that were provided during the race, six of them were for track limits. So I feel like you had to keep a consistent approach to it. Hence the hence the protests. The crappy Jackson thing. Martin, is- two for two on the season, baby. Let's go. <laughs> when in doubt, if you have a crappy weekend in the car, protest it. Uh, a lot of podcasts and a lot of people are just going to talk about this weekend about track limits, but we saw some great racing from like Hulkenberg other, other than his DNF. We saw the Ferraris show very competitive. We saw some really fun fighting between both the Red Bulls and heck, even Lando Norris. Mr. My guy, I'm wearing the shirt. I felt proud enough to wear it in public again today. <laughs> Mr. Lando Norris got all the upgrades. Sorry, Oscar, but like able to get his car into p5 and then psych he got into p4 there's like a lot to talk about this weekend and i feel like we're gonna we lost it in this whole track limits debate but i guess let's talk about let's talk about the sprint race i think one of the biggest things i saw this weekend is a number of 
team drivers fighting each other over the radio, whether if it was Max or Checo, uh, Leclerc and Sainz, or, you know, Fernando and Lance to a little bit, but then like Lewis, fight, I don't know if Lewis was fighting George, but there was a lot of maybe a lot of frustration with these track limits just led to like the banter on the radio. I think there's one race this weekend, the radio, if you had the radio access, this would have been the weekend for it. Oh yeah. Hands down. There was some quality commentary going over the airwaves this time around. Oh, so fun to listen to. I still kind of wish we could hear, especially like on a weekend like this, all the team principals talking to the race director. I feel like this would have been a good one to have that little snippet back in our lives for sure. I think what made Sprint so exciting was that it started with wet weather. Everyone on the inter tires. And then I believe, you know, at the beginning of the race with Red Bull, it was interesting, especially when Checo, he had to bake up for his poor performance in qualifying the day before. Yeah. Uh, kind of pushed Max over the edge on turn one, which then Max kind of gave him right back in turn two and, you know, create some good quality content for DTS and the radio discussions there i don't blame checo he got pushed all the way into the wall to begin the race so he definitely was going to come back and push max out on the outside that's kind of uh that's kind of a little payback uh but that kind of saw it was able to get nico to take advantage of that and move into p2 for the majority of the sprint race which was great to see a haas get up that quick or get up that far that quick and it's been impressive like he's been able to prove a lot of people wrong this season just the way that he's been driving this car and it was really interesting to see uh, halfway through the sprint race, a number of drivers went to go put on slicks. And man, the amount of time that you got uh, shaved off when you were on the slicks compared to the, I think it was the, fir- the first, the top six drivers that were stayed on the inters because they missed the opportunity. I think George was like saving four seconds per lap. And even if he got on slicks earlier, if the track dried earlier, there could have been an even more intense uh, f- fight within the top four alone. I think also to the fact that made it an interesting race too, was the drawing of the track towards the end of the sprint, which kind of then made you either question, do you take a gamble going on the slick tires or do you stay on those inters? And we saw a lot of people in the top eight at the time took stayed on the inters. Well, I think it was only Nico and I think Russell who were fighting for points in the top eight. They took the slicks but based on everyone's strategy and those, the back markers, the back runners taking slicks, they ended up fighting each other for a couple laps, which then took them out of winning in some quality points. I thought, in my opinion, at that point, because then uh, it kind of gave those who had enters a little buffer time to keep in that, to hold that position. I think especially, I don't know if you both notice it on the, uh, on the TV coverage, but as the uh, as the track was drying up, the pit lane was not dry at all. So these guys, uh, so mm-hmm. these drivers were put on slicks, and I think I don't know if it was Russell, but you literally saw him go like, literally had Fish to, tail. yeah, thank you, that's the term, fishtail out of uh, out of the pit lane, and I was like, oh boy, uh, that could have uh, that could have been dicey <laughs> if that happened. But yeah, you know, Max and Sergio got like one one two, and you know, Carlos signs. I also. I don't know what you guys saw the awards for these sprint races are kind of like, it feels like a high school award. It's just like a small little <laughs> black kind of felt, it feels like, Oh, you know, it's like grade uh, I top five of my spelling bee. And I, I just looked at, it didn't really look exciting compared to the actual trophies on the Sunday, to be quite honest. I think last year, or was it a couple of years ago, they at least got like a medal and Ooh. it looks, and I think, and it looks like only this year, if you win the race, you get them, you get the gold medal or whatever. Interesting. I would rather they just give out medals for the sprint format either as opposed to like trophies, because 
again, it's not really a race. It's just a sprint. Mm-hmm. It's just for additional points as an opportunity. I still just despise that it doesn't really have any skin in the game for the overall like race weekend. I don't know. Like you said, it's it's just extra points in there, but I'm not on board with this sprint format yet. Time will tell, but I'm still not digging it. So screw the medals. Just give them a participation ribbon. Um, I guess let's let's cir- let's get right into the race. Uh, the race uh, on Sunday, we saw a number of good drives by a number of drivers. I I I think the talk was Max Verstappen pitting the final lay, uh, final lap. Uh, with I think it was a 24 second lead, I, I believe, just so he can get fastest lap and going against <laughs> his team. And I don't know if any of you were watching the Red Bull engineers were quite confused. In, and then when Max said he's coming in, uh, they all had to rush to get tires. So I was like, that's pretty ballsy, man, just for that extra point. But, you know, I guess he just wants to wrap this up as quick as possible. I think one thing I'm looking forward to in Silverstone is we're seeing a pretty competitive fight for p2 in the constructors between austin martin now ferrari and and obviously mercedes and you know i think i don't know if they're all within 30 or 40 points but i think that's going to be the talk going into silverstone and i think mercedes is going to get some upgrades as well but you know good recovery drive for leclerc this weekend you know carlos got screwed over by by the track limits uh but you know i think you know ferrari to get back on the podium i think is just a little motivation uh for only their second podium of this of the season so far and i have to give a shout out to mclaren like those upgrades were looking fine i don't know if you saw at one point but there was a clip where norris was coming down a straight trying to overtake hamilton and the straight line speed compared to the mercedes was pretty competitive at that point in time so it makes me excited because that's where we have struggled to find pace in any way shape or form for the last while Um, I know Lando was saying that obviously in some of the slow sections going around some bends, there was a little to be, to be desired from the car, but yeah, we're seeing a lot more movement. I'm hoping that it continues to shake out and that these teams, as they bring even more upgrades, things continue to stay competitive. And those that were at the start of the pack early in the season, don't, you know, kind of keep pushing forward too far because even Max said it, you know, he, he'd really like it. Like it was his only complaint about the race is that he wished the Ferrari was faster to keep up with him and make things interesting. Right. So would have been, uh, I think really great to see. And hopefully who knows, we got the summer break coming up soon. There'll be some crazy stuff when we come back. There was one point in the race where Mac is the point where Max overtook Checo again, to go, or sorry, Charles to go back into P P one. I think it was going up the hill towards turn two. The Rebel was so fast enough in the corner that he waited behind Leclerc to get to, uh, to the DRS point, like the line, so that he could get DRS off the straight. It was still able then to pass him in the turn to then get the DRS shoot out. Like it was a zero AI move looking like on F on the F1 2023 game when he did it. Because he just like he was behind him at the start. And then as soon as the corner came, nope, came in and then just bolted ahead so yeah a little more pace would have been a lot more fun to watch it was just exciting to see max not lead a lap for once you know it's a whole 17 laps that a red bull hasn't led so far this season i think that's where we're at right now Uh, hey we broke his streak ferrari broke his streak i mean he will beat other streaks of ours but you know it's baby steps i guess this season for us because this is the problem we have in sports now right when 
people are doing such tremendous things. We don't, we kind of take it for granted. We don't really appreciate like the absolute, you know, how, how legendary it is, right. Going nine for nine and how the, you know, how Red Bull could in theory win every race this year and do a clean sweep, right. Never to happen. Um, kind of cool. <laughs> it would be cool. Right. In that case. But um, speaking to the Max fans, you know, watch every race with intent because you may, we may never see anything like this again with how good this guy is. Like I know, you know, you know, Lewis, Lewis was great in Mercedes, but it might be Max currently in form might make a case for probably the greatest stretch of the season of all time right now. Just to add on that point is he won the sprint classification by 21 seconds. He won the race by five, five, five seconds, but that was because he took a pit stop just to get the, the fastest lap. So he was in theory, probably at least 30 seconds ahead of Leclerc. Also just a couple other uh, moments to say, uh, you know, you got to give a shout out to our Canadian driver. He got in the points this year, uh, this weekend race, Lance Stroll of Austin Martin. Actually, you know what? Well, I shouldn't be saying this. Andrew, that's your team. You should be saying this portion. It's a little misleading. So yes, <laughs> Lance Stroll has um, become Canada's highest scoring F1 driver of all time with 238 career points. But I think a massive asterisk should be placed beside this. Um, because if we were to take a look at previous scoring systems, other famous Canadian F1 drivers, such as Jack Villeneuve, uh, was participating in compared to the scoring system that they have now, F1. It's like comparing apples to oranges, unfortunately. I did the math before the podcast. And if we had the current scoring system back in the days of Jack Villeneuve when he was racing, uh, he would have had an 846 career F1 points. Lance? No, Jacques Villeneuve. Would have oh, had sorry. I totally missed. I was like... How do we do the math yeah, on that? So Jacques, <laughs> if we had the current scoring system back in the day, Jacques Villeneuve would have had 846 points. Wow. So everyone take that with a grain of salt. Like, congratulations to Lance Troll. Massive accomplishment, put it that way. And he's only growing, and you know, he's continuing his career. But let's just take that maybe with a bit of an asterisk, unfortunately. Verstappen has 2,240.5 points. What? Again, this is this new classification system, right? Yeah. No, I know, but just here we are celebrating 200 and something points for <laughs> And this guy's got a 10x multiplier on it. Oh, mm. man. I'll take the wins where I can get them, I guess. Well, speaking about a win, driver, the, uh, we did forget, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but driver of the day, Lando, Lando Norris. Lando Norris, driver of the day. Very exciting. It was really great to see, like I said, before happy to see the momentum McLaren's making and I finally feel comfortable wearing a McLaren shirt out in public again but we also got a really cute little bit of radio from Lando when he found out uh this was just when he was kind of doing the cool down laps around the track celebrating p5 thanking everyone back at the facility for all the upgrades and the hard work that they put into the car but then finding out that he was driver of the day was a very touching moment as well and he was very excited to have won that so it just goes to show, even though I think we all think that he would expect to see himself in a different place at this stage in his career, given where McLaren was pacing a few years ago, but it still means a lot. It's, it's all about those little moments, right? There's a reason why people just kind of enjoy the racing and they enjoy those, those other things that happen as well. Like Alonzo's just jazzed to be driving a car that he really likes again, things of that sort. So I felt, I felt so bad for Will Joseph over the radio though, at one point during the race, cause he goes, 
He warned, hit a warned Lando about track limits, right? Because he was ba- he was he was badgering about how Lewis was uh, when he was behind Lewis. He's like, yeah, he's off again. He's off again. He's off again. And there was a radio goes like, I know you're I gonna know you're gonna me hate me, <laughs> but you need to keep it in the track and turn. I was like, oh poor Will, oh poor Will. But, but, the best but- is then the commentators coming back after being like, why are they so apologetic? It's the race engineer's job to keep the driver in line during the race. It's it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, Alex Albon, you know, he got tracks. I believe he got track limits too, but his race engineer did not give him the heads up that he was getting warnings and stuff. So when he finally got the five second penalty, he kind of lost it in the radio. He's like, what do you mean? You're not telling me this. My goodness. So, yeah, I mean, just goes to show you there's at least a pretty healthy team dynamic. Dynamic at McLaren if everyone's like listen <laughs> let's approach this situation with a smidge of humility super super excited to see that and then also Lando's posts were very fun when he was celebrating p5 and then p4 after I also forgot to mention there was a record set this weekend too was it Max Verstappen again nope it was Esteban Akon he had set the record for most penalties in a single f1 single race, race with five <laughs> He had five <laughs> seconds for unsafe relief in the pits to start, and then he was given four penalties post race for track infringements. Oh. And how they applied the penalties track for track infringements after the race was: if you had four track infringements, you get a five second penalty. If you had five, then you get a ten second penalty, which it then would reset so that you, if you got another four, you get a five second penalty, and another five, you get ten. Well, this guy got a five, a ten, a five, and a ten. So he at least he had at least ten track limits. That were calculated post after the race. Uh, poor guy got slapped with a 30 second penalty and he went far down the list. And uh, like he got hit with so many penalties and he was still P14. <laughs> still not as bad as the six drivers below him. But still, For, that's just heartbreaking because he was in the points beforehand, wasn't he? Believe so. Yeah. No, hey, he so when, no, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But, okay, I was gonna say because that would suck if it was like a double point scoring for for Alpine, and then uh, yeah. is it safe to say though that this was the weekend where the straw broke the proverbial camel's back with Nick DeVries? Wait, wait. Before before we get into that, before we get into that, um, the I was listening to the Dirty Side of the tra- uh, Track podcast earlier, and they said even Nico Hulkenberg when he DNF'd, he got a track limits. Are you shit. kidding me? When he got DNF'd. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he turned out and he's like, oh, track limits. I'm like, come on, man. This, this guy's already had enough. <laughs> His car is literally smoking out and they're waving black and white flags on him. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe that. That's absurd. The other thing that was really funny talking about records was that they had a graphic that they'd never had to use before, which was drivers who have not received penalties for violating track limits. And there were only four drivers' names on it. Oh. <laughs> That's the commenters like, we've never had to make a graphic like this before, but here it goes. Uh, also, uh, just another actually milestone. That was uh, Ferrari's 800th uh, podium in history uh, as a team with Leclerc finishing uh, P2. So uh, that's another fun stat for this. But I guess the back to the question, I think, uh, Andrew, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, not looking good for Neek. <laughs> no, he, uh, he got a five-second penalty in the race for pretty much forcing Kevin Magnuson into the shadow realm. Um, I believe it was like a turn five, six, seven around there. And then post-race, he got two penalties for track infringements. Uh, poor Sonoda, though, had a five-second penalty during the race for track infringements. And then 
got it reset to a 10 second penalty. It's like eight mornings during the race. <laughs> oh my I, gosh. I want to sit in that driver's meeting in Silverstone next weekend. And just, I wonder if track limits is going to be like the most common buzzword set in the meeting. And they need to bring back that office style reviews that they used to do back in like 2017 on YouTube. They had um, highlights of these, uh, uh, of like those like meetings. Yeah. And I wish that, oh, if they could bring them back for this, it would be insane. Before we get into Silverstone. Um, so apparently there's some guy on a, on like a jet pack that was trying to fly around the track and he oh just like ate it. Yeah. yeah, so he was part of the pre-race entertainment, kind of like something that they were doing ahead of time. And you can actually see it. He was trying to land, but his left hand, the pack that was there, it looks like it wasn't responding to the motions or the cues he was given it. And just the cut to Oscar Piastri after this guy <laughs> eats it and gets up and is like, I'm okay, is the most Jim Halpert thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was gonna say, was that they didn't call? They couldn't call up Robert Downey Jr. to do that role, or even Iron Man to come in. Evidently. It was probably it was probably Robert Downey Jr.'s stunt devil, whoever that person was. Uh, Speaking of idea. Norris and Piastri, some incredible pictures came out today of the Silverstone livery that McLaren will be donning this year, oh, baby. If you want to talk about sex in a picture, that's it. I gotta say. I do love it, but I was hoping that if it was going to be Google Chrome related, I get that they're going for like the literal definition of Chrome, but I was hoping it'd be something cool, kind of like the wheel covers that they have and they would take crazy colors all over it personally. But A, I do kind of like that it's giving throwback McLaren vibes with the orange and the silver on it. But uh, yeah, one of one of our friends messaged me Garrett and he was like so is the car made out of chrome I was like no that would throw off the aerodynamics it's just the paint color it's just for the vibes nothing more but uh something you know if ever someone wanted to do a custom car just for show purposes you know what to do McLaren but but Erica like is this like the Google update that we all want because if I'm gonna update it it literally looks like the Force India uh 2015 car a little yeah I, I think that one had a little bit more black on it. This is a little bit lighter and it makes me think more of like the white and orange McLarens of yore. I don't know. You say Force India, I start thinking pink Mercedes and I like and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be hopeful that maybe there's some speedy changes coming with the change in design as well. What I just like about the chrome is that it's a beautiful nod. It's a beautiful balance of like the nod to the past, but also with the current you know, with the current format in terms of the color scheme. I think it's something that they could, you know, it's funny. We always took out these one-off liveries. We're like, man, we wish we had these full-time. Yeah. And this is definitely one that I'd be like, I wish they had this going forward. It is so good. I would, uh, on fantasy, I would, like, that's my sleeper pick going into Silverstone is if Lando Norris can do what he did this weekend, I think the track's limit. And also, like, he will have, well, I was going to say track's the limit. Um, <laughs> no, Sky's the limit. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. <laughs> try to try to avoid doing an episode without saying track limits. I'll try that. Um, but, no, I think uh, if we go into Silverstone, I think he's the sleeper pick in fantasy uh, if you guys can pick him up, especially how great he looked this weekend. And now having the home crowd on his support. Uh, you know, I think he could potentially put himself back into P4 again or even compete in a P3 position. 
Well, I think er Erica can. She's had like two people on her roster for like the past five races. So I'm sure she has space. Okay. You know what? Grid rival will not load (laughs) on my phone. It's not my fault. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sure. (laughs) Okay. First place. Settle down over there, Andrew. You know what? Mr. Uh, Mr. Ricci is coming in on uh, P3 on the podium. So, you know, I'm, I'm creeping. I just got to oh, say, yeah. do you both have iPhones? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm team Android, baby. And so this app does not work on Android. <laughs> well, that is team. You problem. That is team. <laughs> People need to develop things better, develop their cars better, develop apps better for multiple different environments. I'm just saying. Yeah. If you're going to update, if you're going to update your car, you might as well update your phone at the same time. You know, like just say I will say I am staunchly against iPhones and I've always hated them. So <laughs> I can't, it's, it's my own fault. I can't figure out how to use them. <laughs> uh, any last thoughts heading into Silverstone this weekend? I, I guess, uh, Andrew, I'm going to put Austin Martin on the spot. I mean, it was not the easiest of weekends for them. Um, what do you like, obviously, what do you think is going to, they're going to need to do uh, in, in, in terms of strategy, especially like a tough track, like Silverstone. This weekend, they got unlucky, I would say, at one point with the VSC, and they kind of caught themselves out go- going to the pits too late. I think otherwise they would have been competitive. But I think they just again, they need to be better at managing strategies and really taking advantage of any, of any safety car or virtual safety car that comes about this weekend. Uh, take advantage of that going forward. And uh, great to see Lance make a little bit of a comeback this week, for sure. I know we give... I've given him a lot of flack recently about his poor performances, but, uh, you know, he finished ahead of Alonzo in both classific, well, no, in, in the sprint classification this weekend, which was great. And he was able to get up to uh, the points finish, uh, regardless of penalties or not penalties this weekend as well. So I don't know. I think the issue is um, we're starting to see Mercedes and Ferrari bring their up, like their upgrades. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are clearly above and beyond a step ahead, let's say, of Aston Martin's upgrades. We're kind of in that P4 area that we should be right now. Uh, so in, in that sense, I'm not surprised by it, but it would be great to see. I know that it would be great to see if Daddy Stroll, now I'm going to say Don Stroll, <laughs> for his fine workings behind the scenes this weekend, I would say providing that protest because knowing he had a hand in it, most likely. Um, they need to find a way to continue that upgrading on the car and seeing where they can bring a package um, that will allow them to be competitive now with Mercedes or Ferrari. You know, it's uh, something that not a, lot of pe- not a lot of people will notice this weekend. Daniel Ricciardo will test drive the Red Bull yeah. in the British Grand Prix. I'm During- so excited. So I there's been a lot of talk that if he, if he's maybe going to be coming back, so I guess... There might be a little, you know, it's going to be practice, but there'll be a lot of pressure on him to at least put that car in a good spot in FP1 or FP2, whatever, whichever one he will practice in. If he comes back, do you think he will hit Lando in the face with a bouncy ball again? Because that was a year ago at Silverstone. <laughs> yes. Not only will DR come back there, F, I think F1's testing a new water, or a wet wheel cover, eh? This weekend as well, from what I gather. So in order to reduce spray visibility, reduce spray and enhance visibility during wet races, the FIA want to try these new back wheel covers that will um, reduce the angle of the spray to uh, just like the car length as opposed to the driver's height. 
and so they can be able to enhance visibility during these wet weather races. Interesting, in my opinion. Well, well, according to the Weather Network, it looks like it's going to rain on Saturday and Sunday. So time will tell if these uh, it's going to work. If it's raining in jolly old England, it just makes absolute sense, in my opinion. Put these drivers to the test. And, you know, that's what they're used to driving in. Therefore, it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. In my opinion, we're going to see some great racing. We're going to see some wheel-to-wheel -wheel action. And we're going to see perhaps a mix of inters and slicks to make it a very interesting race. And I'm so hopeful that it'll be a very great British Grand Prix in 2023. And on that note, let's turn into this weekend for the British Grand Prix. I am your co-host, Richie, my amazing co-host here, Erica and Andrew. Uh, thank you for tuning in to season three, episode 18. Technically, I think episode 61 in total of the F1 podcast. Again, we are at 452 followers on Instagram. Let's hit 500 by the end of July. And let us know where you're going to be watching the race this weekend. Shoot us a message and let's get some more fan questions back into the uh, get back into the um, let's get some fan questions back into, <laughs> fan let's questions get, back into the podcast thank you let's get some <laughs> fan questions back into the podcast and again uh, that that's it for this week's episode and tune into next week where we'll cover the British Grand Prix thanks all and have a great day <laughs>